to school night. And I think I got a lot of the talking out of my system. I think I got a lot of the random talking, the random tangents. We'll see. We will see. But when you do a two-hour night school in the morning, and then you do an every night to school night in the evening, hopefully you keep yourself on track. Hopefully you get a lot of it out of your system. Although, you know, more and more I get convinced that this just keeps coming. And somebody else is going to have to put a stop to it because I'm not. I'm not putting a stop to it. And and just so you know, I've got no other forms of entertainment. <laughs> you know, I don't watch TV. I mean, I, I've been having football on. I haven't even cared about the playoffs very much. I watched the end of the Buccaneers-Saints game because, you know, how, how many more times are you going to get to see uh, Tom Brady and Drew Brees play each other? And it ended up being an interesting end to the game with Brady continuing on. Uh, it reminds me of Brandon Lee's tombstone, you know, Bruce Lee's son, the actor himself, Brandon Lee. His tombstone's interesting. It has a Paul Bowles quote, something to the effect of, you know, how many more times are you going to get to see this or do this? And I believe it mentions, you know, how many more full moons or something to that effect. Probably not exactly what it says. How many more full moons? How many more full moons are you going to get to see? Although that's always something to consider. There's a gravity to that. And especially seeing a statement like that on someone's tombstone. I think that's an excellent choice. Uh, but, you know, how many more of anything? How many more? But yeah, this is, uh, you know, one of my sole forms of entertainment is just doing these at this point. And yet I, I feel very entertained in life. You know, I haven't had a Netflix account for years. And when I had one, I barely used it. I have TV just so I can watch football. I don't watch movies. I don't spend that much time cruising random internet sites. What do I do with all my time? I guess it's just this kind of stuff. You know, I had two different girls that I was dating who, not at the same time, I don't do that. Um, but two different girls at two different times asked me the question, what do you do for yourself? It was eerie because they said the same exact thing. Like the question was posed in the same exact way. You know, if you do believe in conspiracies, it's almost as if someone got in their ear and was like, make sure you ask him what he does for himself. A really strange question because, you know, I'm convinced I'm of the opinion that everything I do is for myself. I feel like I'm extremely self-involved. So the, uh, the question of like, what do you do for yourself, just completely confounded, confused me. But they were referring to, I guess, the things I do to my activities. I guess they were under the false impression that I do them for other people. But this is how I stay entertained. This is how I stay engaged. I don't really got much else. You know, I, I have create creative projects, I guess, and... This is one of them, but, uh, you know, there's not that many more ways. I mean, fitness, exercise, I do a lot of reading, I guess reading. But what do other people do for themselves? You know, I don't know what other people do for themselves. I guess that's where the self-care thing comes in. I guess I'm not eating enough ice cream in the bathtub. What do you do for yourself? I eat ice cream in the bathtub. Maybe that's the kind of answer that they're looking for. It's a reasonable answer. It's a good one because I still haven't answered it. You know it's a good question if you haven't heard it in years 
and you're still trying to answer it for yourself in case a third girl asks that question. What do you do for yourself? What do you do for you? I have no idea because I thought everything I did was super (laughs) self-absorbed. So maybe it's good news that that's not how it was perceived, how it is perceived. I'm doing a service here. Maybe that's it. Every night's a school night is a service for the people. I do feel that way, you know, for those who care, for those who care. Maybe this is something of a service. I don't know. I enjoy it. I genuinely enjoy it. I do do this for me. But we're going to play a song here by somebody who is completely unexpected. Somebody that I knew that he had a a history with doo-wop. I knew, you know, I I don't want this show to get into some sort of like kitschy uh, novelty like... Here's another artist who you didn't expect to have played doo-wop. Because, you know, I've talked about that a lot with Dio, where it's, and I'll do it occasionally with other artists, like uh, Scott Engel, later known as Scott Walker, had a song that was in the teen pop category that very much fit with this show, and I played it. I find a lot of artists, you know, may have dabbled. You know, uh, Paul Simon from Simon and Garfunkel. I think maybe even Garfunkel. I think maybe both of them dabbled in these genres. Uh, I always enjoy hearing that, especially if they're good. And many of them end up being good. That's the interesting thing. As many of these artists who went on to do other things in different genres that they became known for, you know, their early doo-wop material was good. And here's somebody that I knew he did doo-wop because I went through a brief Frank Zappa phase when I was in high school. I was just, you know, testing the waters of weird music. It was before I discovered legitimately experimental music, and I knew that Frank Zappa was something of that. I knew that he did. I knew that he played around with jazz and rock, and uh, I, I wouldn't even know. I mean, Frank Zappa is obviously just Frank Zappa. And at this point in my life, meaning the last 20 years, I don't know that I would, <laughs> I don't know, I don't think I would say I'm a Frank Zappa fan, honestly. I might still have a couple of his albums, but there was definitely a good, a solid year. And I probably had two or three CDs. I didn't have, I didn't amass a massive collection, but I managed to get two or three Frank Zappa CDs, you know, a Mother's of Invention CD. So, I, you know, I don't get the wrong idea. I'm not some kind of Frank Zappa guy here. But on one of those CDs, I got, I had a collection of stuff and it included kind of a joke song where he got into like the fact that his first band, I believe, was a doo-wop band. And this isn't his first band. But he did record some doo-wop songs from the early 1960s. And uh, I'm not sure the exact year on this one offhand, but it's called Every Time I See You, which of course sounds like a doo-wop song title. But here we are. Here we are. It's Every Night's a School Night, 2021, and we're about to play Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa. And it's the right thing to play, because it's doo-wop. Every time I see you, whenever you walk by, I want to hold you. Darling, please let me try. Darling, I love you, I really do. Darling, I want you, let me be true I want to hold you Every time I see you 
secrets at all but the moment you overcame the notion you see that you have to be defending yourself when you overcome that there will no longer be any need to defend yourself now what we're afraid of you see is that some uh, power will control all of us by this method. I stole the starlight from the skies and used it for my baby's eyes. I caught a sunbeam in the air and made some shiny golden hair. Hey, made me a make-believe baby, a loving make-believe baby. Because I had no baby that I could call my own Hey! I heard a song and I rejoiced Because it made the sweetest voice I took a rose as red as wine For tender lips to cling to mine Hey! Made me a make-believe baby a dreamy make-believe baby 
Because I had no baby and I was all alone Yeah! Said a prayer that I would find the lover that was in my mind. I knew my prayer was coming true the moment that I looked at you. Yeah, I don't need a make-believe baby. Don't have to make-believe baby because I found you, baby, to love and love me too. Hey, I don't need a make-believe baby. Don't have to make-believe baby. Because I found your baby to love and love me too Hey, I don't need a make-believe baby I don't have to make-believe baby Because I found your baby to love But that power, whoever is the controlling agency Must in the kind of 1984 Orwellian horror Be the one individual whose thoughts are not public If the super controller has his thoughts public, then he can't be in that position. So the horror idea is, if everybody is circuited so as that uh, his private thoughts are public knowledge to all his friends and relations and to the controller, but the controller's thoughts are not public knowledge, then you have a system which is a real dangerous kind of dictatorship. But if there are no private thoughts for anybody at all, and we are all hooked in on the system, all plugged in, then everybody will look at each other and say, oh, ha ha, come off it. <laughs> and we'll all be free to be our inmost selves. Because you will recognize that everybody else is as much a rascal as you are. Yeah, thank you to Mr. Watts there for providing far more insightful commentary than anything I'm going to say here. And particularly relevant commentary for a guy who died in the early 70s, too. You know what he was saying? I mean, he referenced 1984, the Orwellian thing, which I don't bring up. I, I kind of I've mentioned it here before where... I kind of think I'm above making Orwellian references. I mean, if for no other reason than I've never actually read it. I've seen all the excerpts, you know. And, and I've seen recently there's a bunch of pushback, which is unsurprising. Because even though I think it's a tired old uh, example, there's a reason why people bring it up and it stays relevant. And I'm not surprised that the people who are either in power or are happy with who's about to be in power, you know, I'm not surprised that they would give some pushback on all the Orwellian 1984 references. But what I like there is, I mean, Alan Watts can say anything he wants. And uh, when he brings it up, you know, he brought it up. What he said there was very interesting because what he was saying is if everybody in the public, if, if all the citizens' thoughts are public, there's a real power to be had by the person whose thoughts are not public. And the silent dictator is ultimately a much more powerful dictator, which is interesting given current events, the idea of silencing the leader. 
you know, silencing them from certain platforms. That's interesting because, you know, one of my arguments about that, you know, you know, I know I've gone into this on night school, but just in light of what Alan Watts said, you know, I think there actually is more power from holding a position of power, but remaining silent. And in many ways, as disturbed as people were by Trumpsfeld's impulsive tweets over the last four years, the spectacle of it all actually made him less powerful. And you can say that it contributed to this or it it contributed to that, but when you have a leader pretty much making all of his thoughts known publicly on a whim, that's not that scary. You know, and people can make the argument that it's not good for morale at the very least, but the idea of a leader who only expresses himself in private, the idea of that silent dictator that Watts inferred, that to me is a much scarier idea, especially in a world where everybody is so impulsive. And I've, I've had a very difficult time not expressing myself lately in every way possible, uh, you know, not just online, but also in email, in messages, in phone calls. I've just, I've kind of had that feeling like I'm in the center of the battle station at the command center lately. And not that I'm discussing anything that important, but just I'm, I'm feeling this great urge to communicate. I mean, hence doing a two-hour night school this morning, and now here doing an every night to school night tonight. But yeah, just his words there, the idea of the silent dictator in a world where everybody else's thoughts are public. Very interesting. And, and getting away from the dictator idea, I think you personally can gain power definitely in the near future by having restraint and being a silent figure, having your thoughts be silent. And there's different ways you could interpret that. I mean, you could still communicate with people, but keep certain thoughts silent. Or you could go silent altogether. And, you know, a couple weeks ago where I mentioned, you know, I have this desire to simply disappear. And I don't mean that in a fatalistic, suicidal way. I just mean that it sounds like a good time to do that. But everybody knows I won't. Everybody knows I won't because I just can't stop talking, you know. Everybody knows I won't. But uh, anyway... uh, Frank Zappa there with his beautiful doo-wop song, which didn't sound like Zappa at all. Because when Frank Zappa became the Frank Zappa that we all know, he would still occasionally do doo-wop songs, but they were very goofy. They had some Zappa-isms in that, and that one was good because it had no Zappa-isms. It was just a perfectly performed doo-wop song. And then that was followed up with Sal Minio, the actor, He was in Rebel Without a Cause, and that track was from 1959, Make Believe Baby. And as most of you probably well know, that era of young actors often did singles and songs. You know, there was this a lot of pressure for actors to be multifaceted, and they were often good. You know, I didn't that Salminio song, like it's not one that I would, you know jump up and down for, but it was good. It was it was memorable. Make Believe Baby. You know, I like the idea, not too different from the concept of Dream Lover or any of uh, any number of other teener songs from that era that invoke a imaginary girl, 
I'm invoking an imaginary girl. It's all, all, you know, weird science, you know. It's not quite weird science, but it's kind of like that idea. Having an imaginary girlfriend. It's better, I would rather have an imaginary girlfriend than an imaginary friend. I feel like having just an imaginary friend is that much more pathetic. Whereas having an imaginary girlfriend, at least there's some romance to it. And it would be really sad if your imaginary friend was a girl. So you got friend zoned by your imaginary friend. <laughs> um, but I guess we're kind of hitting on that theme here of like people who were known for other things doing doo-wop earlier on. And, uh, you know, Sal Minio, I guess he lived a tragic life. I'm not going to get into here, but he and Zappa, both Sicilians, not just Italians, not just Italians, both Sicilians, which is interesting to me, given, you know, my interest in the mafia. I know Frank Zappa's father was from Partinico, which is a, a small village in Sicily that is just an absolute mafia stronghold. You know, I don't think Frank Zappa had any connections, but, uh, it, that always interests me when I hear that someone's of Sicilian descent, just because I've studied it and looked into it so much. But we're going to continue on the the Italian note. And I guess while we're at it, we might as well get this all out of our system right now. We're going to play a couple of other songs by someone who was later known for a very different style of music. And this kind of hits upon the Ronnie James Dio, another Italian. Um, this kind of hits upon that in that this is somebody who became very well known for being a heavy metal vocalist. And this is the first group of Man of War vocalist Eric Adams. And his real name, let me tell you, it ain't Eric Adams. His real name is, uh, I believe, Louis Marulo from upstate New York. You know, Man of War is an upstate New York band, which somehow fits... There's something that just seems oddly right that Manowar is not from New York City, but from upstate New York. I've never even been there. I've been to no state. I haven't been to upstate New York. I haven't been to downstate New York. I've never been to west state New York. I've been to no state New York. I, I haven't been. But Manowar is one of those bands that, you know, seems like a joke when you're younger. Like when I got into metal, there was a show I didn't go to, and I regret it to this day. It was... Manowar and Immortal playing together and at that point Immortal had started playing in a more heavy metal style they started playing actually very good memorable heavy metal riffs melodic but they continued their you know Immortal vocal style and some some of their you know other tendencies but I didn't go to that show because it, I was just like oh, why would I go see Manowar why would I go see Manowar you know at that time and I was like 15 16 years old however old I was on that tour I you know I deeply regret it honestly because that would have been cool to see even if I even if I didn't completely appreciate it I wish that I could say today that I had seen Manowar on that tour specifically they still had the pedophile too their guitarist a couple years ago Carl Logan was arrested for pedophilia and he was always a weird looking guy this I think he's a ginger he's got that kind of ginger look short bangs but really long straight hair very skinny Definitely a strange-looking guy, uh, Carl Logan. But uh, this is uh, Eric Adams' first band under his uh, birth name of Louis Marulo, Louis Marulo. And he was 12 years old at the time, which is amazing. 
and it's not so much doo-wop. It's definitely it definitely falls into a catchy teen category, but I think it's from 1966, and their band name is great. Just the kids. They're called the kids, and they're kids. It's nice when the kids start a band called the kids. And uh, I'm going to play two songs by them. The only two songs that are available, as far as I know. 12 years old, Eric Adams. That's impressive. I don't normally play 12-year-olds. I don't normally I don't normally play 12-year-olds. I know I have played some young stuff, like Johnny Crawford, Your Nose is Gonna Grow. Uh, you know, some stuff like Johnny Crawford. I've definitely, you know, it's all teen. But a lot of the so-called teener music was performed by adults. So I definitely don't go as low as 12. Uh, but when it comes to Eric Adams, when it comes to Manowar, who, that's a band, you know, just to say too, to talk about Manowar for a second, if I haven't done it before, that's a band that when you're younger and getting into metal, you don't really, at least the era that I came up in, you don't take them seriously. It's cheesy. It just wasn't something that was accessible to me. Like my mind, it just, I couldn't take that seriously. You know, the whole like brothers of metal sort of idea. And then you reach a certain age, like I reached an age, probably like my mid-twenties, where I just drank one night and listened to Man of War, and I was just like, oh yeah, this is real to me now. Everything they're saying is a lot more real to me. I mean, they invoke Valhalla, every other word. They talk about honor and brotherhood. I love it. You know, I love Man of War at this point. I was on a Man of War kick the other day spent, you know, a good chunk of my day listening to Man of War. And uh and then I, you know, discovered The Kids. The Kids. We got a band called The Kids, but it's perfect to me that this was like the the young version of Eric Adams. Like the idea that he would evolve into Eric Adams, the Man of War vocalist. And I have to say too, you know, having Batty here, he very rarely responds to music that I listen to. And the other day I was listening to Man of War and there was a part on, I believe, Into Glory Ride where Eric Adams just starts shrieking. I mean, he's doing a falsetto, but it's a, it's a little more like, like there's kind of a break in the music and he does these shrieks. And Batty walked over and was like turning his head, just looking at it. And you know, you, you know it's good. He, Batty's only ever done that for a couple things. And you know it's good if Batty's going over and turning his head, but... Here we are with the kids from 1966, 12-year-old Eric Adams of Manowar, first Lovin' Every Day, which is the hit, followed by Flipped Hair and Lace, getting a little sensual, Flipped Hair and Lace, but first we're going with Lovin' Every Day.
everybody who is at all sensitive likes to be alone. You like to be able to go out on a sailing boat all by yourself and float in the middle of the water, or climb up the mountain, or go into the air, and uh, or just retire into your own place and relax in loneliness. But I want to make the point that loneliness in that sense and privacy are quite different things. The privacy of uh, having a secret in you that should not be revealed. That's just a, a silly joke. In other words, we all know perfectly well that Jesus Christ had to go and excrete, although no mention is made of it in the Gospels. There are certain kind of people who, just because that wasn't mentioned, drag it out and would draw cartoons of Jesus sitting on the toilet, like uh, Paul Krasner in The Realist. He loves to bring out this side of life, you see, where... Uh, <laughs> Idols are debunked by being shown up as, after all, human. But that kind of humor, that sort of sick humor, can only exist in a community where, indeed, there is a peculiar self-defensive privacy. And where we base our individual existence upon secrets. And this is why, of course, clothes, as I mentioned earlier today, are of such immense importance to us. As the masks that distinguish us. In a nudist camp, everybody is kind of depressingly equal. <laughs> it's not the love and honor, it's that promise to obey that makes me think by marrying we might be doing wrong. And until death do you part just seems to choke me up to say My love's far better or for worse but not for long Because the season soon will start in Hialeah Every year I like to see the horses run And if I lose it's just a short trip to Miami Where a beach bum always finds some winter fun I was hoping our relationship could stay the way it's been And I'd feel guilty if I tried to put you on You seem to want more than the understanding we made away back when For better or for worse, but not for long Well, if it's any comfort when I leave, it won't be someone else who turned my head, made me leave you far behind. The 
Competition is the wanderlust And follow it somehow I must You kept my heart content But not in my mind Well, you might see me on a newscast From Sun Valley I hear the skiing's fine there in July Or I might just hop the rods On the next spaceship Cause they tell me it's the only way to fly So no matter what the postmark reads from Tahoe to Tangiers Where it's happening, and that's where I belong And I really mean the note, I'm having fun, wish you were here Far better or for worse than not for long Well, among us for better or for worse than not for long Yeah, that was the great Eddie Nowak a song from the mid-70s, just a few years before he died, of uh, hard drinking. A guy who lived it. You know, a lot of his songs were about heavy drinking, and he lived it. And you don't necessarily have to, you know, mimic him or celebrate it, but I appreciate that. I appreciate the tragedy. I appreciate the consistency of character between the artist and the material. A lot of his material is morbid. He's, of course, known for the song Psycho, which is more spoken country, very dark, a little too real, but wonderful. And he's no first-timer on this show. He's honestly one of my, easily one of my favorite country artists, both for the material, for his consistency of character, for his consistency of songwriting, just an absolutely fantastic artist, a true artist, really, not just a performer. Because, I mean, there are some country artists where I listen to them, but I think of them as a performer. They're doing other people's songs, typically, and uh, not that there's any, that's common. I mean, of course, that's very common, but you get kind of a, a showy feeling, even though it's country. But Eddie Nowak's not a guy that ever gives me that feeling. And I, I pulled out my Gentleman Prefer Blondes LP last night and just, I was admiring simply the look of it, simply the colors of it, simply the way he looked. And so I felt the need to play him yet again. Yeah, no, it's no, you know, he's no stranger to this show. He's been played many times and I believe he'll be played more. I believe that's not the first nor the last And, uh, you know, as the song said, for better or for worse, but not for long, which is also the name of a Jimmy J song. And I don't believe it's the same song. It's been a little bit since I've listened to that Jimmy J song, but it's got a, it's got much different pacing, a much different melody. And while it says the line for better or for worse, but not for long, I believe the other lyrics are different, too. But... If Jimmy J and Eddie Nowak both hit upon the same theme in their own ways, that's even better because those are two favorites of mine. Um, but uh, I got an open playlist here. You know, sometimes I do these and I have a playlist already mapped out. And I had a couple songs, those at the beginning that I wanted to play. And as you can tell, we've gotten away from the Italians. And we've gotten away from artists who were known for other things because uh, because uh, Eddie Nowak, you know, he was only ever known for that. He's not a guy who ever strayed from what he did, which is simple, stripped down country that was highly evocative, highly powerful with great lyrics, great performance. 
So now I got to make a decision here. It's very rare that I have to make a decision, quote unquote, on air. And I think uh, we're going to go here with Lisa Anders with Old Enough. And, you know, she's pleading her case that she is old enough. So here we are with Lisa Anders, Old Enough. And if you need to plead your case, you know, you know you're too young. You know you're in teenage hell. You know you're in teenage hell if you have to plead your case that you're old enough. Lisa Anders, old enough. Guys seem to think so. The guys seem to think she's old enough, but you know how guys are. You know how guys are about that kind of thing. All men are pedophiles. All men are pedophiles. Um, no, they're not. Not all men are pedophiles. Just some of them. Now, she sounded old enough, though. She had a kind of a deep, mature voice. There was a power to her voice that convinced me 
convince me she was old enough for whatever she's trying to, you know, whatever bargain she's trying to strike, she's old enough. Maybe she was just trying to get a good deal on a car. I'm old enough to get a good deal. You're not going to get one over on me, salesman. Um, but we're going to play a block here, a three-song block by a guy who I'm actually surprised I haven't played him yet. Chase Webster. And you probably never heard of him. You probably never heard of Chase Webster. But uh, I came around to him. I found him because he's the original songwriter and performer of the song Moody River that most famously performed by Pat Boone, an absolutely deadly song. I believe it, it turns up in the movie The Last Boy Scout with Bruce Willis that I grew up watching. Bruce Willis and I think Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans. Uh, so Chase Webster was the songwriter, I believe, and the original performer of Moody River. And a number of his songs sound like Moody River. Every once in a while, you'll come across an artist like that, and it's almost like they had a tick. It's almost like they were stuck in a certain sound. And in this case, it's perfect. You know, in this case, it's it's right. And uh, Moody River is actually my main karaoke song, and I rarely do karaoke but when I do, I always do Moody River because it's one of the few songs I feel that I can effectively do. And it's fun to do. And it's very dark. It sets a dark mood because, I mean, it's about it lover's suicide. And in addition to doing a number of songs that have kind of the same bouncing piano sort of sound, dark bouncing. You know, when you hear bouncing, you think uplifting. But Chase Webster, he often deals in the subject of lover suicides. And he often uses kind of a piano, a somber minor key piano bounce is what I call it. That's what we call a somber minor, minor key piano bounce. A, pia, a, mi, a somber minor key piano bounce. That's what I call it, though. It's what we call it here. Uh, and So Chase Webster, he had kind of a style, and he had some themes that he liked to hit upon. I don't know too much about him, old Chase. Uh, I don't think that he committed suicide that I know of. Granted, I haven't researched him, but... He liked the theme of lover suicides, and Moody River is the ultimate. To me, that's the ultimate, because I like to perform it myself when I'm forced into a karaoke scenario. A karaoke scenario. It's the name of my band. It's the name of my, uh, I don't even know what kind of band that would be. We're the karaoke scenario. Thanks for coming out. But uh, Chase Webster here. Uh, Moody River is going to open it up. We're just going to start with the, the most well-known song. And then we're going to do Sweethearts in Heaven, which you can imagine what that's about. And then The Town Sleeps Through It, which is yet another suicide song. The Town Sleeps Through This Tragic Night, which is interesting to think about. You know, it's interesting to think about things that happen at night and that you don't even know about. Horrible things happening at night and you're sleeping through it. You'd never know. You know, we are all in our own little worlds. And sometimes you just simply can't know, don't know what's going on, especially in the world of tragic lovers.
created on this planet to communicate with distant points were roads, trails where people walked. With the coming of horses and the mastery of horses, the roads became, as it were, more clearly stamped because of the hard hoof of the horse. But in the 19th century, we began to go beyond roads because we discovered rails, then wires, and the world became a network, the economic world became a network of roads, rails, and wires. But now the fascinating thing is, we are beginning to witness a disappearance of all those three methods of communication. The railways and the roads have gone to the airplane and the wires have gone to radio and television which require no wires to connect.
has his personal hoppycopter, there will be no further need of the freeway. And the freeway will break up and grass and moss will grow over it because nobody's traveling it. And it will disappear back into the landscape. Hooray! What an awful thing it is. You know, the concrete octopus. And these ridiculous automobiles in which we each travel around and make a nuisance of ourselves. But they will vanish because they simply are not technologically efficient. So she 
Yeah, that last Chase Webster one was particularly brutal. Sweethearts in Heaven, you know, it had the same piano bounce, but it was a little more of an upbeat song. It wasn't that one wasn't actually about love or suicide like the first and the third. You know, I like to I like to bookend a good block with the two songs about love or suicide with something a little different in the middle. But the one in the middle, even though it was a little more upbeat, it was still you know, it was still a death song because he was wondering if you can have sweethearts in heaven. Is it like jail? Is it like jail? Is it like prison where you can get conjugal visits with angels? That's pretty much what he was asking. Can you have sweethearts in heaven? So he's still very morbid in that way where he's, this guy's never thinking about life. <laughs> this guy, Chase Webster, is always thinking about death. And, you know, with Moody River, that's, uh, you know, one of my all-time favorite songs, obviously. And I prefer Pat Boone's version. I think Chase's song is good. He He's the original. Uh, but I prefer Pat Boone's performance. And, but it has that great lyric, The Venus Knife. And that was the name of a self-portrait I drew, not to make it all about me. But that was the name of a, a, a self-portrait I drew years ago where I had a knife. It's a knife I actually own behind my head in the self-portrait and so I called it the Venus knife and you know because that song this song has been eternally relevant to me some people see that self-portrait and they think the knife is like going through my head almost like those bonehead things you used to be able to buy like you used to be able to go to Halloween costume shops and you could buy this bonehead thing where like it fit over your head and it made it look like a bone was sticking all the way through your head like a cartoon bone so some people have thought that the knife in my self-portrait is supposed to be a knife going through my head, but it's behind my head. But it's still the Venus knife. That's the name of the drawing. So you can tell, like, this material has profoundly affected my life, inspired me. Uh, but The Town Sleeps Through It There, just an absolutely brutal song. You know, even though I prefer Pat Boone's performance of Moody River, uh, The Town Sleeps Through It is pretty much the same song. I mean, it's pretty much an identical jingle to Moody River with different lyrics, but the same theme. So, and, and that performance is just unbelievable. And the lyrics, too, are just so brutal. It's like you can't really get more brutal than that without being theatric about it. And there's nothing theatric about that. And as the lyric says, like, she took her life and I'll join her at dawn. Well, it's three in the morning and in the churchyard below, there stands an open grave I dug a while ago. Thought I'd save them the trouble, trouble I'd just dig my own while the town sleeps through it as if there's nothing wrong. Very brutal lyrics there. Death lyrics. Pretty much death worship. You know, you almost wonder, like, what Chase Webster's life was like. 
Like, did he have tragic relationships? Like, not suicide necessarily, but, like, was he constantly going through romantic struggle? It'd be funny to find out that he had just this long-term, wonderful, buoyant relationship. Shit. Excuse me. Well, that scared the hell out of me. (laughs) When Alan Watts samples just start talking... That's a little scary. I think it adds to the fact, it adds to the brutality and the terror, the romantic terror of that last Chase Webster song when your Alan Watts sample just goes off on its own. When I was a kid, I had this Terminator doll, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it started talking on its own. I don't know if the batteries were dying. I don't know what it was, but it would be in the closet and it just started talking because you could press buttons on it and he would say all the expected things, you know, I'll be back, hasta la vista. And uh, my mom would be like cleaning the house and she would hear it. So we got rid of it, I think, because it was just, it was possessed. I I had a possessed Terminator doll. Everyone's afraid of baby dolls. Like they're like, oh, baby dolls are so creepy. You know, a baby doll is so creepy. It's Terminator dolls, baby. They're really creepy. A Terminator baby doll. (laughs) A Funko Pop Terminator doll haunted me. Uh, But uh, we're going to go here with a Maggie Lee with the joke is on you it's kind of like the bgs i started a joke similar idea where uh i started a joke but i found out the joke was on me as the bgs said and completely different song but i like songs where the joke is on you like from good old maggie lee here Assemble them all together 
in laser beam images by, as it were, dialing each one and say, can you come on, can you come on, can you come on? Then we can have a laser beam created three-dimensional image of anybody you want to talk to sitting right in this room. Now, there may be some limitations to what you can do with a laser beam image of somebody else. But in, to all intents and purposes, there they are sitting together. And you understand that each one of them in their own room in New York or Boston or wherever, they have an equivalent laser beam image of you and all the others who are involved in this conference. So you're looking at an, a certain area in a room where there are three-dimensional images of a group of your friends. And these three-dimensional images exist in the separate apartments of every single one of those people involved in the conference. So that the same conference is happening in five different places. Let's say there are five people involved. In each one of them, there's one of them there who thinks he's authentic. See? And he has these five laser beam images, four, talking. And so it is in every other situation. You begin to ask then, where are you? Why did you ever tell me that you loved me? When you knew that it was all a lie I think that you deserve to And I think I've got the nerve to Make this the last day of your life I'm gonna kill you I think I'm gonna kill you I'm gonna close your cheating bedroom eyes I'm gonna kill you I think I'm gonna kill you You told me you were just going to the store Seems like a month of Sunday since you've been gone I've been sitting here walking the floor You'd better be prepared when you walk through that door Cause I'm gonna kill you I think I'm gonna kill you I'm gonna close your cheating bedroom eyes I'm gonna kill you Simply gonna kill you Yeah, that was a pleasant one. 
that nice kind of upbeat, showy music, which just made the song that much more hot-blooded. You know, I was talking earlier about Eddie Nowak's Psycho, and there's certainly no lack of murderous country songs about killing your wife for cheating or any any other subject, any other provocation. That one, though, the, the backing music, you know, it, you could almost imagine it like with bright Vegas lights, you know, it's very hot-blooded, which makes it actually that much more terrifying. And that was Wynn Stewart, well-known, well-known Wynn, well-known Wynn Stewart. Uh, and that was, as the song told you, the song is called I'm Gonna Kill You. And I thought that that was a good sort of call and response from Maggie Lee. The joke is on you, followed by I'm Gonna Kill You felt like those two titles went together if nothing else but that lyric you know i'm gonna close your cheating bedroom eyes i'm gonna kill you simply gonna kill you and bury you in a box about half your size about half your size not exactly you know we're not uh, magicians here we're not stage magicians who have a box that's exactly half your size that we're gonna you know fold you into as part of an illusion it's going to be a box about half your size which is especially subtle you know because it implies he's going to dismember her as well you know despite the sound of that you know it doesn't sound like a joke and and i've actually been waiting to play that song for a long time but i've been hesitant not because i'm afraid of the content i've just needed i've needed to be in the right mood and i'm not in a murderous mood but i kind of feel like this hot-blooded anger in the air lends itself to Win Stewart, I'm going to kill you. And we're going to continue on kind of a similar theme, a little more subdued. And this is going to be a big moment. This is going to be a huge moment for every night's a school night. Because I have mentioned many times over the years that I'm not a Johnny Cash fan. I've never been able to get into Johnny Cash. And I've been reluctant to even try and i've never gotten into the carters you know my friend kyle has given me a solid breakdown on the carter family and i've just i've never been hooked and i i think johnny cash has a a wonderful voice all of that and this is actually going to be later johnny cash and even a cover i believe i believe this is even a cover although i don't really know see the thing is i don't know shit about johnny cash i don't i don't know shit i don't know shit about johnny cash Uh, i really don't though but this is one the beast in me And I feel like it's a good follow-up to I'm Gonna Kill You. So this is a huge moment for the show. I feel like this might be a strange first Johnny Cash song to play. And as I've said before, you know, not playing Johnny Cash and not being into Johnny Cash, it's never had to do with the fact that he's the most ultra-famous country musician. Because, I mean, you know how I feel about Elvis. You know how I feel about Dolly Parton. All kinds of popular country artists. Uh, Tammy Wynette. You know, there's all kinds of popular artists that I I have no hesitation, you know, bigger than, you know, Elvis, arguably bigger than Johnny Cash. So it's not like I'm too cool. I'm too cool for Johnny Cash. It's never been that. It's just I've simply never had that. I've never found the right notch to kind of dig my hand into. But this is a good song, and I think it's a good time to play it. It's 2021, man, and we're playing a Johnny Cash song on every night to school night, so you know things are getting kind of, you know things are changing. As, as I talked about on Night School, the Morrissey Smith's lyric, you know, is the world changing or am I changing? Well, every night to school night is changing because we're playing The Beast in Me by Johnny Cash. 
beast in me Is caged by frail and fragile bars Restless by day and by night Rants and rages at the stars God help the beast in me Beast in me has had to learn to live with pain and how to shelter from the rain, and in the twinkling of an eye. Might have to be restrained God help the beast in me Sometimes it tries to kid me That it's just a teddy bear and even somehow manage to vanish in the air And that is when I must beware of the beast in me That everybody knows They've seen him out dressed in my clothes patently unclear if it's new york or new year god help the beast in me the beast in Furthermore, by means of further electronic technology, every one of these five people are not only visible to each other uh, on the screen, in the cubic screen of the laser beam television, but also their inmost thoughts are clear to each other. There is no concealment. Yeah, you know, if you had told me that in 2021 I'd be doing the very first episode of Every Night's a School Night in 2021, if you told me that I would be doing a Frank Zappa song, if I'd be starting out the episode with Frank Zappa and then near the end playing Johnny Cash, you would have blown my little old mind, that's for sure. But I think it works. You know, as I, w I mentioned on the night school earlier, you know, the Morrissey Smith's lyric, has the world changed or have I changed? And, you know, obviously all of the above, all of the above and everything in between. We're playing Frank Zappa doo-wop and we're playing, it's funny, playing very early Frank Zappa doing doo-wop and we're playing late Johnny Cash, which a very relatable song for me. You know, I've had those moments for sure where you're just... Uh, ruggedly aware of the beast and what that is inside of you. But I kind of think it fits with some of my 
I guess for lack of a better word, philosophy that I talk about on night school, where it's like being aware of that, being aware of the beast. And there's even a part in there where he kind of alludes to not losing sight of that because it'll come back. I don't remember what the exact lyric. I I haven't memorized Johnny Cash lyrics yet, okay? Uh, Daddy sang bass. Mama sang tenor. And and me and little brother would uh, crowd, uh, however that goes. Uh, Has the world changed or has Johnny Cash changed? I don't know. Have I changed or has Johnny Cash changed? Well, I think it's me, right? If I'm playing a Johnny Cash song. And who knows what gateway will be opened by that. Now that I've opened that gate, welcome to the Johnny Cash show. Welcome to the Zappa and Cash show. (laughs) Uh, But we're going to be closing this out. It's time. You know, I don't want to get this going too long. Because that would mean four hours of content. Right now we're at, you know, it's going to be about three and a half hours of total. And I, I don't like that word content. Material is better. Just a show, man. We live in this world of content. Oh, you're creating content. It's like that's such a a robotic way of viewing anything creative. Any kind of self-expression as content. He's a content creator. So much content. You know, I, I refuse to see the world in those terms. That's something I won't adopt. You know, I've talked about adopting certain words and phrases reluctantly over time when those become just the standard way of saying something. I don't see myself ever adopting content. I don't like it. But we're going to close this episode out. It's going to be kind of a rare closeout with two songs from the same artist. Very rarely do I do a double closer by the same artist. And these are two songs by Scott Miller. Sounds like a kid you went to school with. Sounds like some really generic, normal kid, just like generic, normal kid one who sat behind you in homeroom, Scott Miller. But his music is anything but generic, and it's going to be a kiss from your lips, and then in parentheses, sets me on fire. And as you can tell, a kiss from your lips sets me on fire. And you can imagine that's going to be powerful, followed by I Confess which I I feel like goes well with all the Alan Watts samples. You know, and this too, this episode too, has been nothing but Alan Watts. Uh, You know, sometimes I'll sneak him in. Sometimes I'll sneak in a little Alan Watts because he really has been the guy for me. You know, as a man, you know, you search for people. You know, there's people who inspire you in different ways and there's people who confirm things for you. And Alan Watts has done both of those for me in the last number of years. You know, you you look for these people and some people find them in different forms. Alan Watts, when I discovered him, when I discovered his lectures, I was just like, okay, yeah, this is the guy that I'd been looking for who's going to confirm a lot of what I already believe but also add so much more dimension to that while also blowing that dimension out into some realm of total nothingness that is also uh completely fulfilling but he cuts to the bone you know he cuts to the bone unlike few and and he was a prophet in many ways he understood the patterns that were developing and if you've been following along i've all the samples I've used were part of the same lecture, and there's a very clear narrative, and it's not over. You're going to hear a little bit more before this is over. And if you listen to them and pay attention in succession, he's making some just unbelievably profound points 
that are everything that side of the show that all the commentary I make on night school, everything. Like I feel like what Alan Watts says here is like the perfect compliment with the wisdom cranked way beyond anything I could possibly think of or comprehend. So here we are with uh, a double Scott Miller to close it out. Scott Miller, a kiss from your lips sets me on fire. And I confess Happy New Year, if I haven't said that. I guess I did on night school, but I feel like these are two different halves of my brain. I feel like I have to repeat things on every night to school night that I might have already said on night school because there is sort of a multiple personality, even though it's obviously the same personality. There is like kind of a different... There is a difference. Um, So Scott Miller here. become ESP 
or psionic. We will get it from each other without any need for an electrical gadget. By telepathy. Because you see, what all technology is doing, it's not creating a new situation. It is discovering what has always existed. And when the 
morning sun reveals her hills and plains. I see a land where children can run free. So take my hand and walk this land with me. And walk this lovely land with me, though I am just a man. When you are by my side, with the help of God, I know I can be strong. Is mine.